It's such a blessing to be here at 12th Street and the grace that you guys have shown me, and I'm so blessed to be back here with you guys gathered together uh, on this Lord's Day. Uh, will you pray with me before we get into this time of the Word? Father, I pray uh, this morning that most of all that you will be glorified. Um, you are loved. You are so loved, God, and we just want to just, just tell you that this morning that despite us, despite our sinfulness, despite who I am, despite who we are as a people, you chose to love us anyway through your son. And God, this morning, as we talk about turning the page on this new year, on this 2019, I pray that we will understand that, God, that we are better together and that we work better when we are imitating one another, when we are following one another, when we are pouring our lives into one another. And God, when the gospel shapes every facet of our life, that is when the lost world will be attracted to us. God, I pray that you will be heard and seen this morning and not I. Just use me as a mere mouthpiece of your glory. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in Philippians 3 this morning once again. We started a series last week called Turn the Page. Uh, and Thomas did a wonderful job uh, teaching on this passage um, that Christ is who we are after, that Christ is our ultimate gain. He is our ultimate goal. He is the one that we are striving after, who we are pushing after, who we are running after. Um, as, as he says in verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the goal this morning. And we're going to start in verse 16 where Thomas left off last week. And this is what the word of the Lord says. It says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many of whom who have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and whom I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. A few years ago, um, when I was the student pastor at another church uh, right down the road, um, a couple of my kids came to me and said, Tyler, we want to start a church league basketball team. And I said, okay, y'all aren't going to be very good. The tallest one of you is 5'9". Well, one of them came to me and he said, Tyler, listen, what if we went and got people to come play for us? Because we only got five guys, we need more guys. And I said, well, look, I have one rule. If they come to church, if they come to play basketball, they have to be church three Sundays out of the month and three Wednesdays out of the month. And I'm keeping track of it. Well, the next Wednesday, about six guys walk in, one of which is 6'8", former starting forward for Etowah High School. Another one is the former starting point guard for Etowah High School and about three football players. And these guys are athletes, all right? So we went from having five guys I did not think that we were going to win to a team that I think could have beat the high school team that year. I'll never forget one of the first games this kid was running down the court um, from another team, and 
One of our guys had just dunked on a guy. I mean, it was absolutely insane. And the guy runs by me. I'm standing on the sideline, and he looks at me and goes, make them stop. Now, I'm not telling you that to brag on that team. I'm telling you to tell you about this. What happened through that church league basketball team was those guys got just a full taste of Jesus and started inviting friend after friend after friend to church. And uh, one Wednesday night, in walked this guy by the name of Tehran. Now, Tehran uh, was about a 280-pound offensive lineman for the high school, uh, getting recruited by a couple of colleges. And Tehran and I just struck up a friendship. And, man, this brother in Christ, uh, we just grew throughout the years. And one of the biggest things that changed our friendship was one Sunday, every Sunday after church, I go eat lunch with my family. One Sunday after church, um, I said, hey, Tehran, why don't you come eat lunch with my family? Why don't you come up to the house and come out to eat lunch with us? My dad's grilling out today. And that turned into a thing where about two, three times a month he was coming over for dinner and we were hanging out and we were just living life together. And what that showed me was that discipleship is not merely a program. That when you tell someone to follow me as, as, as I follow Christ, as Paul says, and Paul says, join in imitating me. When you invite someone into your life, you are not just doing it for a program. It's actually a lifestyle that we are called to live. It is a lifestyle that every believer is called to live, not just the pastors of the church or the deacons of the church or the Sunday school teachers of the church. Every believer in this room is called to be an example for those around them. And we are called to pour our lives into one another. You see, this morning I want to tell you guys this, that we are commanded to follow cross-centered and heavenly-minded examples. We are commanded to follow cross-centered and heavenly-minded examples. We should all be saying, as Paul says, let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Now, the first question I want to ask you is this, is who do we follow? Who do we follow? Now, I kind of want to do a survey of the room really quick, so um, this is not very typical, but I'm a student pastor, and I love some interaction from the crowd, all right? So really quick, if you've been saved for one or more years, will you raise your hand? Wonderful. All right, how about two or more years? Okay. Five or more years? Ten or more years? 30 or more years, 40 or more years, 50 or more years, all right, we're getting there, 60 or more years, 70 or more years, 80 or more years, 80 or more years, man, that's incredible, that is awesome, that's how high we got. Now, the thing was, did you notice how the number dwindled as it got higher, as we started getting into the upper numbers, people started to lower their hands, and brothers and sisters, those higher numbers, that's who we follow. That is who we follow. We seek after those who have walked before us. Now, here's the thing. I want you to look around this room and I want you to think about this. How did we all get here? How did we attain this faith? How did we come to faith in Jesus? And I would be willing to bet that none of us in this room just woke up and said, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus today. You know what, I'm just going to give up my life of sinning and I'm just going to follow Jesus today. No, that is not what happens. One pastor said this, it is essential to receive sound teaching, but we also grow by observing sound teaching lived out. Christianity is not just taught, it's caught. It's caught. 
When I was 17 years old, um, the Lord really did a work on my life. He took every friend that I ever had. Um, he isolated me over an entire summer. Um, all my friends were out partying, drinking, doing all their fun stuff. And I honestly just didn't have any interest in it. It wasn't that I was trying to be a good kid. I just didn't have any interest in it. And that summer, I started working at this place called Jerry's Pharmacy. And I would always come through the back of the pharmacy, and there was this guy that was sitting in the back. He worked at the home medical supply store. His name was Jason Rogers. And as I walked through, Jason was sometimes reading his Bible, and he would sometimes talk to me about Braves baseball or Yankees baseball or Auburn football. And he would just sometimes just stop me and talk to me, and sometimes those conversations would be five minutes long. Sometimes they'd be five hours long. It really didn't matter. Jason had an interest in pouring into me. And the truth of the matter is, is I had no interest in Jason pouring into me. I ran. I thought it was weird. All right? I did not have any interest in it. Until one day, Jason says, hey, Tyler, I want you to read this book with me. And it was a book called A Call to Die. And it was a day that you had, it was a book that challenged you to fast for 40 days and really die to self. And I read this book with him and it absolutely changed me and I wanted what he had. And that turned into a lifelong friendship where this brother and his wife poured into me for years and still pour into me now. All because he said, join in imitating me. It's a lifestyle, not merely a program. You see, as believers of Jesus, we are to pour our lives into others. And this is the thing. I love how Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 2. And 1 Thessalonians 2 is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I learned this in class this past semester. It's so interesting, the language that he uses for this church. He says, as a nursing mother, we cared for you. As a caring father, we were there for you. And listen to what he says in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. So we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Do you want to know the simplest way to change the world? It's easy. Open up your life for someone to walk alongside you. See, we've turned discipleship into a mere program, and we've turned where we say, hey, you can follow me by going through this Bible study, or coming to Sunday school, or doing these things. You want to tell you one of the best things to do? Invite someone over to your house and show them something. Walk through life with them. Show them how the gospel is lived on a Tuesday night. Open up your home. Brothers and sisters, there are young believers all over this place. And whether they are in their teen years, whether they are a child, or whether they are in their 80s, it doesn't matter. We all need someone to pour into us, and we need to share our lives with one another. The Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. It is a divine calling to community. It's a divine calling to community where we follow one another and we seek out mentors in the gospel that they can pour into us so that our lives will be shaped so that we will no longer be ourselves but that we will look more and more like Jesus because we are following people who are passionately following Jesus. Look at the life of Christ. Look at the life of Christ. The life of Christ was one where he constantly served one another. He constantly served his brothers. He constantly poured into other people. And we should follow people who are doing the same thing. Now see, some of us in this room, honestly, you may say, well, Tyler, I'm a mature believer. Why am I doing this? Let me ask you this. Are you actively pouring into someone right now? Is someone following you right now? 
And if your answer is, well, I don't know, or no, you're not looking like Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus. For three and a half years, for three years, men followed him. Twelve men followed him. He had 120 followers. And he poured into them and he showed them his life and all these things. If you are not doing that, let me encourage you to find someone to pour into you and for you to follow someone. It doesn't matter how many years you've been saved. It matters how many years you've been following. And if you're not actively pouring into someone, let me encourage you. Find someone after the service and say, hey, listen, can we meet for coffee one, one day a week? Hey, can we, can I, can I come eat at your house one day a week? Don't worry about being forceful. Just invite yourself over. You need it. That's how important this is. You need it. Everyone in this life needs active mentorship in the gospel. Because that is how we grow in Christ. Albert Moeller said this. You have no idea what some young believer in your church will mean for the cause of Jesus. Lean in, encourage them, mentor them, dream big. Do you realize that everyone inside this room was given the gospel by someone? Do you realize that you could be giving the gospel to somebody? You have a call on your life, brothers and sisters. And who do we follow? We follow those who have set the example before us. And we strive to live in their footsteps. It's like when my dad used to go, when he used to walk in front of me at the beach. And I used to try to leap back and forth through his footsteps. And I would go here to here to here to here. Because I couldn't reach his footsteps. The same way, we should be striving behind someone, following them. As they follow Christ. Now Paul does not only leave it here. He says who do. He goes on to talk about who do we not follow. Who do we not follow. Verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you. And now tell you even with tears. Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame. With mindset on earthly things. Paul says that they're enemies of the cross, and honestly, when we read in the context of Philippians, we don't really know who these people are. All we know is that they are against the cause of Christ. They are enemies of the cross of Jesus. They are not cross-centered, heavenly examples. And Paul says, listen, do not follow them. I have even often told you, and now tell you, even with tears, who walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. They are not following godly examples, and they are setting a terrible example. But my favorite thing about this is that Paul speaks of them in tears. Are we brokenhearted for the pretenders in our churches? Are we brokenhearted for the pretenders in this church? Are we brokenhearted for the ones who Paul says that they are that that their end is their destruction, their God is their belly, and that they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things? Or do we merely just say, ah, they'll, they'll, God will take care of them? No, we should be broken for these people. That they consider themselves good, but they are actually enemies of the cross of Jesus. Now, why do we not follow them? Paul says that their God is their belly. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that they are worshipers of themselves. They are self-centered people. And nobody likes to follow someone who is arrogant. 
Nobody should ever follow someone who is arrogant, who is full of themselves, puffed up in the chest saying, look at me, look at what I've done. There is no message that is more anti-gospel than the one that says, look at what I've done, because the gospel is, look at what Jesus has done. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do not follow those who say, look at me, look at what I've done. We follow the one who says, look at what Jesus has done. Now they are not only worshipers of self, they also enjoy in practicing things that offend God because their glory is their shame. Their glory is their shame. They enjoy going against the things of God. They enjoy doing things that offend God. They enjoy sin. And they revel in it. My dad always used to say, don't wrestle with pigs unless you want to get dirty. And that's the truth. If you follow someone who is not like Christ, don't expect to come out clean. Instead, grab that person by the arm and say, follow me. Follow me. Let me pour into you. And not only that, they are also focused on earthly things. You see, the things of this world are their goal. The things of this world are their end. That is what they are striving after. And here's the truth. There's probably some of you that that's what you're striving after. That your eyes are set on worldly things. And let me tell you, with just brokenness before you, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and focus on Jesus. I was listening to a pastor who uh, lived in northern Vermont, and um, a place where seasons actually happen. Um, we don't typically have seasons here. Um, we have uh, like a two weeks of spring, and then the really terrible humidity hits, and then we have like a week of fall, and then the really just mild winters hit. Uh, but in Vermont, they actually have four seasons. It's pretty crazy. Um, and he said that during the spring, he would look around and go, man, life is coming back. Life is coming back. And as the weeks progressed, though, he just started saying, man, this, this, this green is beautiful. This Vermont green is beautiful, but then it just kind of became mundane. The things of his life just started getting mundane, and he just looks around and is like, man, it's just, just green leaves. He said, but then the fall would come. And he said, it was like God set the forest on fire. And he said, it was then I was reminded to lift up my eyes, to look around. And to see what God is doing. Brothers and sisters, when we get trapped in the mundane and we're focused on worldly things, we forget to look up and look around and see what God is doing. If we will look around and realize that God is doing a mighty work in us, how much more so will we be apt to say, hey, let me go find someone to pour into because I want what we ha- I want them to have what we have. I want them to have what we have. If we do not fix our eyes on Jesus, and we do not see that the things of this world are not our goal, that these things are all temporary, passing treasures, if we're not like the man in the Gospels who was walking through the field and found the treasure, and he went and took everything that he had and sold it just so he could have that field with that treasure, then, brothers and sisters, Christ is not your goal. And if Christ is not your goal, then you need to find someone to pour into you. You need to find someone to say, listen, hey, I need need to grow. I need to grow in Christ. I need someone to pour into me. I need someone to shape me. We do not follow those who are merely pretenders of the gospel, saying that they are believers when in reality they are not. 
Ultimately, we should find examples who are walking like Jesus and finding their ultimate joy in Jesus, and we should follow those who are following Jesus passionately. We should seek out those who are following Jesus ahead of us passionately that are saying, listen, come with me, let me show you what I have. And, and that's where the really cool things start happening. When we realize that discipleship cannot happen in merely an hour on Sunday mornings or an hour on Sunday nights, when it happens in the context of a lifestyle, of a life lived together, man, really cool things start happening. Lives starting change. Lives start. Lives start to change, and new people start to begin to be. New people begin to be birthed from death, and they're called out of the grave because that is the power of the gospel lived. Now, the third question is: What is the end goal of following? What is the end goal of following? Listen to verse twenty. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. You see, Philippi was a colony of Rome. And when you went to Philippi, you looked around and you said, man, this looks like Rome. This looks just like a little Rome. In the same way, the church is a little colony of the kingdom of heaven. And when people walk in here, they should look around and go, man, this looks like heaven. This looks like the people of God. Ask yourself right now, inside your heart, if somebody walked into our church, would they say that about 12th Street Baptist? Are we a colony of the kingdom of heaven? Do we look like a little heaven? Because we are called to be living out our faith as citizens of heaven, focused on the, focused on the return of Jesus. And if we do that, we live our lives in light of eternity. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said. He said this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most of the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. The ones who have made the most impact on history were the ones who were not focused on this world. They were focused on the next. Their eyes are set on Jesus. They realize that their citizenship is not on this earth. We should be living in such a way, brothers and sisters, that someone looks at us and goes, you ain't from around here, are you? I know you've been with someone that's, from, that's not from Alabama, and I promise you that they've probably heard that. You ain't from around here, are you? And what we should say with a resounding is, no, I am not. And as Peter said... I am just a sojourner, a citizen of heaven passing through. That's the life that we should be living. We are just passing through, first and foremost, citizens of heaven. But not only that, but listen to what he says. As we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. If you go back and read in Philippians chapter 2, you read how Christ actually lowered himself but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And being found in a human form, he humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted this man and Jesus one day will highly exalt us. If Christ is our goal. 
You see, Jesus will glorify us as we walk together in this life, pouring into one another as the church, living life together. And as we progress on, we will become more and more and more like Jesus in this process that we call sanctification, which means this purifying of our lives. As we look and look and look our eyes towards Jesus, we will look more like him. Until one day when we cross that river and we go into, the, into his presence and Jesus looks at us and goes, well done, my good and faithful servant, and our bodies will become glorified like his. This is what 1 Corinthians fifteen forty nine says, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. This is what John writes in 1 John, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. What a great hope that we have in Jesus. What a great hope that we have in Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time. What a great hope we have in Jesus. It is such a wonderful hope that we have in him that we do not have to worry about the things of this world, that we can look death in the face and look at death as just a doorway to get to Jesus. Why aren't you sharing that with someone? Why aren't you sharing that with someone? There is someone right now that you work with. There is someone right now that lives in your neighborhood. There is someone right now in your life that needs that. And why are you not sharing that? And you may be saying, well, my house is dirty. So what? Their house is too. Invite them into your life. You may be saying, I don't have time. Make time. Our culture is so daggum busy, but if we would realize that we're being busy over things that aren't worth being busy over, we would realize that Jesus is the ultimate goal and that we should invite others to live life with us. Brothers and sisters, please understand that while we have a great hope in Jesus, there are those around us who do not have that same hope and we should be going out of our way to share that hope. How selfish are we to think that we don't have to do that? And we may not say out loud, man, I, I don't have to do that, but we live it. If we're striving after that end goal, that we live out that citizenship and we get the, the goal of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, let us pour into one another. And let us pour into those who need to be poured into. Lastly, in verse 4-1, Paul says this, Therefore, my brothers... Whom I love and whom I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Listen to the language that he uses, this familial language. He calls the church his brothers, whom he loves and whom he longs for, his joy and his ground, his prized possession. What does he command them to do? At the beginning of the passage he says, follow me. Imitate me or follow those examples. But the last thing he tells them to do is to stand firm in Jesus, the one whom we follow. We are to stand firm in Jesus, the one whom we follow. The ultimate one, the finisher and the perfecter of our faith, as the writer of Hebrews says, we are to stand firm in him. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. The things of this world are surely passing. 
And if we do not cling to that anchor that is such a hope for our souls, the storms of this life will toss us to and fro. But if we place our faith in the one who is just the most firm foundation, and we follow after him, and we stand firm in Jesus, at the end, that end goal will happen. We will stand in his presence. But if we stand in our own power, we miss the entire point of the gospel. You see, Paul was pointing them to a power that was beyond him. Paul, the apostle, the one who has written 70% of our New Testament, the one who literally lived his life for the gospel in such a way that when they arrested him, he shared the gospel with those who he was in prison with. When they let him free, he shared the gospel with those who were around him. He was unstoppable. And he said, listen, follow me as I imitate, follow me as I follow Christ. Because he realized that ultimately it didn't matter who Paul was. It didn't matter who Apollos was. It didn't matter who any of the workers in the church of Philippi was. And for us, it doesn't matter who Thomas Wimburn is. It doesn't matter who Tyler Armstrong is. It doesn't matter who Seth Stanton is. It doesn't matter who Charles Taylor is. It doesn't matter who Tracy Griggs is. It doesn't matter who any of us are. It matters that we stand firm. Firm in Jesus. We do not stand firm in any man or woman. We stand firm in Jesus. And if I'm not pointing you to Jesus, if your pastors are not pointing you to Jesus, if your Sunday school teachers are not pointing you to Jesus, let me know and I will take you to a church that does. Because ultimately, that is where we get our power. That is where we find our, just our, our standing in Christ is in himself. I close with this. Francis Chan and Tony Morita in their commentary on this passage, they said this. These five points. First, in light of this passage, we are to humbly acknowledge that you haven't arrived, but that your faith is in the one who has arrived. We are to humbly acknowledge that you haven't arrived, but your faith is in the one who has arrived. Secondly, we are to passionately pursue greater knowledge of Jesus. We have to realize that we have not attained all the knowledge that we are to obtain, that we have not made it, but we can constantly pursue and grow in knowledge of Christ. Thirdly, never lose the wonder of the gospel. We are to never to lose the wonder of the gospel. I look around this room and there are some saints that have been saved for many years as we saw earlier. And there are some that have been saved within the last year. Do you remember when you first got saved? When you first realized that Jesus was enough and that when you laid down your life at his feet and said, I am yours, completely yours, I surrender all, everything I have, we should never lose that wonder of that first moment. We should never lose that wonder of that first moment. Fourthly, live in light of your citizenship. We should not be so focused on our citizenship as people of earth, as we should be, our as focus should be our, our citizenship in heaven. And lastly, seek out a heavenly-minded, cross-centered mentor and be a heavenly-minded, cross-centered mentor. Paul points us to the ultimate goal, and that is Christ Jesus. And he points us to it in such a way that he says, listen Follow me and follow those who have, who have went before you. Follow a heavenly-minded, cross-centered example in your life. Because we have attained it. We have attained that salvation of our souls. We have attained the goal. We have attained the end. 
And if we are not doing that as a church in this 2019, if we are not doing that in this new year, let me challenge you today, right now, make a change. Find someone right now and say, listen, I'm going to pour into you. And if you're right now saying, Tyler, I'm not ready to do that, then you need to say, Tyler, help me find someone to pour into me. And let us live as a faith family in 2019 that when people look at us, they say, you're not from around here, are you? And we can look at them and say, no, I'm a citizen of heaven. And I want you to join with me in the same way by believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much um, just for allowing us just to gather together as a little colony of heaven this morning. Father, I pray that we will understand that our faith is not our own, that you have given us this wonderful gift of Jesus. And that God, that as we strive and as we continue to press on together toward the goal of Christ Jesus, that we realize that we cannot do it alone. That we need people constantly and consistently pouring into us. And that we need to be shaped by the gospel daily. And that we need to be inviting people into our lives so they can see that the gospel is lived out in our lives on an everyday basis, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays. God, I pray that there's someone inside this room right now that doesn't know Jesus. Someone inside this room right now that needs to be poured into. That they'll realize that Jesus truly has paid it all for them. And they will find someone that they can, they, they can follow, that they can meet with, that they can grow in Christ with. Father, I want your spirit just to move among us, as he already has and as he will. And as we leave this place, let it not what happens in here stay in here. Let it flow into the streets. I pray us all in Jesus' name. Amen.